The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, so one of the interesting and important um, aspects of the Eightfold Path is that it's an in- interlinked, uh, inter- uh, intimately connected to what's called the Four Noble Truths. And the last of the Four Noble Truths is the Eightfold Path. The first step of the Eightfold Path is the Four Noble Truths. So they, they're, they overlap, they're connected, they can't, you can't pull them apart from each other. And, um, and how um, uh, the Eightfold Path comes out of the Four Noble Truths is like this, that um, the, uh, the first truth is the truth of suffering. Not that life is suffering, which some people say Buddha taught, he didn't say that, uh, just the truth that there happens to be some suffering around. And uh, you, you, most people notice that sooner or later, that there, there, there's some suffering around, so the Buddha noticed that. And then uh, the second one is if you uh, take that suffering seriously in the sense of uh, studying it, becoming familiar with it, trying to understand it, um, then uh, uh, sooner or later you'll understand uh, the conditions out of which that suffering arises. It's often described as the cause of suffering, though uh, technically it's not the cause, it's the origination of it, the conditions uh, out of which it arises. And, uh, and, uh, and there's many causes and conditions, but it's the one that uh, we have the most control over that we're interested in. And we're interested in our contribution to the suffering. Uh, it's easy to say that other people are responsible for my, I'm, I'm suffer, my suffering. And sometimes it's maybe uh, quite important to recognize other people's roles and the problems that we have. But uh, if you, uh, for, um, for the most part, if you spend all your time focusing on other people's roles for your suffering, uh, you're going to miss taking responsibility for yourself. And the person that you can have the most uh, impact on is yourself. And so the focus in Buddhism is, uh, the primary focus for, the, for finding the path to practice is to find the place where you can take responsibility, your contribution. And so in studying suffering, then we look at our contribution to the suffering and uh, what the Buddha said was that uh, something called uh, craving or clinging or attachment is the condition or the, the origination or the ground from which we suffer. If we then can let go of that craving or clinging, then the suffering that comes from that craving or clinging also stops. And so that's a third noble truth, the truth of the end of clinging, the cessation of clinging. And then, um, because it's not easy to do that, it's, it's one thing to see the cause, to see the underlying condition for the suffering. It's a whole other thing to be able to let go of it or let it cease, come to an end. And, um, and it's not easy. And so, uh, what then the Buddha offered was the Eightfold Path. And the Eightfold Path is a kind of integrated approach that, or that over time, you slowly uh, cultivate and develop yourself in such a way that you create different conditions. You create a condition that is conducive to this thing called the cessation, the end of clinging the end of, and the end of suffering. Um, to just will yourself to end suffering just like that, because it's a good idea, it doesn't work so well. 
Um, and to only take responsibility, say, I, it's something I have to do, like I I'm, have the agency for it, um, uh, doesn't really work. But what does work is to uh, change the conditions of your life, the inner conditions, so that those conditions um, are supportive for this very uh, deep, uh, thorough process of uprooting the deepest kinds of clinging that we have. And so uh, uh, part of Buddhist spirituality is taking, is taking care for uh, creating the appropriate, healthy, supportive inner conditions that it can allow for a deeper transformation. And so that's the Eightfold Path. The first step of the Eightfold Path is, um, uh, is understood different ways. And the, one I'll, the, way that I'll, the most common way, which I'll emphasize now, is uh, to use the perspective of the Four Noble Truths. Uh, in looking at our life. We find the path, we find the road. When we start looking, where's the suffering here? Where's the cause of the suffering? And where's the ending of the suffering? Not because uh, we're supposed to just suffer better, but rather because uh, if you want to uh, free yourself from an illness, uh, you go to a doctor who's interested, then you want the doctor to be interested in your illness. You don't want the doctor to ask you about your golf score, you know, because that's kind of besides the point. The, um, and so if, you have, if you're one of those people who have, have suffering, uh, then you, if you want to overcome that, you want to address it in a realistic way, a direct way. And so that's the function of the Four Noble Truths. The right view is to address it in a realistic way. It's a fantastic uh, pers- perspective to have because if you make a habit to look for where the stress is, the suffering, where you're uncomfortable, where you're uneasy, um, and don't overlook it, then it gives you a, a, a window into understanding that part of your life in a better way. Initially, it might seem like bad news, but as you get familiar and do it more and more, it becomes really good news because you understand yourself better. You understand where you can take responsibility, where you can monitor yourself, where you have some ability, efficacy, where you can make a difference for yourself. And the idea is to make you happy. Um, there's a wonderful book, which I recommend as part of this year, by Bhante Gunaratana, called, um, uh, the, t- the title has the word happiness in it, uh, talking about the Eightfold Path, The Eight Mindful Steps to Happiness. And, um, and uh, so that's one of, the two, one of the two books I recommend. The other book is Bhikkhu Bodhi has a book called uh, The Mindful Eightfold Path. Let's see. Here. No, the, the Noble Eightfold Path, The Way to Ending of Suffering. And this is an extra copy. I'd be happy to give it to someone if anybody would like it. It's, a, it's probably on the web as well. And, uh, access to Insight. Access to Insight has it. So Access to Insight has a copy. Access to Insight.org. You can read it there. And um, so, and the Buddha said explicitly in his teaching that the Eightfold Path is a, is a joy to walk. It's a, something brings joy. So for someone engaged, so, what, what, so a couple of things about the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths <clears throat> is there are relevant teachings and relevant practices at many different levels of a person's life. Uh, they're relevant um, when you're standing at, uh, when you stopped your car at a red light. If waiting, you feel impatient, irritated uh, about the fact that there's a red light there and it's not turning fast enough. And, you know, I, last week I had to make a left turn off the, you know, the lights. 
And I, you know, I think I had to wait for the light to turn green and red three times because there were so many, you know, before you, you know, so many cars doing it, so much traffic, and and uh, so that was, you know, <laughs> the eightfold path that <clears throat> the four noble truths applied in that setting. And you don't have to be Buddhist to appreciate how it could apply there. And so, so you know, it operates on many simple levels. And, uh, you know, then I would suggest that... And the other thing I would suggest is that Four Noble Truths is something you already practice. All, everyone practices it all the time. Uh, they just don't formulate it that way. Uh, so some of you have had some equivalent of being at the stoplight and being impatient or something and realize that tension, you had tensions building up, that's the suffering... And realizing the only person you have to blame for your suffering is the people who... the other drivers, right? <laughs> the only person you can, uh, you can blame for being, you know, how you're tense is you doing it. You can't, you're not going to ask the other drivers to get you untense. It's something you have to do. And so then you realize, like, I better relax. So you take a deep breath and you relax, hopefully, and that's the ending of that particular suffering. Or if you can't end it that easily, then you begin looking at yourself and say, what do I have to do? What, what are the practices I have to do to help me with this? And one of the things that helps when you, you know, talking about is stop swearing at the other drivers. <laughs> they're going to write speech, right? And um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I suggest from that example that people already do. It's kind of commonsensical to do it. Um, so it's not so strange, not so foreign. What the Buddha offered was to take this ordinary thing that people already do uh, connected to a particular uh, steps, a particular path, the Eightfold Path. So it becomes well integrated in our life. So our different aspects of our life are all supportive to create conditions that allow the Four Noble Truths, this insight of the Four Noble Truths, to penetrate deeply into our life. And so, it, uh, and what the Buddha was pointing to was the possibility of enlightenment, of liberation, of freedom, a radical transformation of the heart, where the heart becomes uh, completely. Um, free of suffering, free of clinging. And for, and for Buddhists who are inspired by this, who have deep confidence in this possibility, the Eightfold Path then is for that purpose. Uh, it doesn't have to be for that purpose. The Eightfold Path can be for other purposes because you know, in anywhere from the traffic lights to full enlightenment, there's a wide range in between of life situations where these are applicable. And so where you fit in your sense of purpose and meaning is up to you. So with that, uh, I would like you to explore a little bit the whole issue of purpose and meaning in life. Um, and we'll, 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 we'll do it in about five minutes. Because, you know, we have important things to do. We, we're going to get on with it. And, um, and, but I, I, I think it's a very important topic. Some people are skittish around these things. Some people uh, get very nervous with the purpose and meaning of life. You know, they feel as soon as as soon as someone offers a purpose and meaning of life, they feel, wait a minute, you know, now now they're going to convert me. Now they're going to put me into a box. Now there's a should, and uh, you know, and I should have my own. Or there's no meaning in life. You know, it's, it's just it's just you know, just everything's kind of random, and and uh, there's no control and. People have a lot of different relationships to it. Some people feel hesitant. Some people are lazy because they don't, I don't want to face this issue because then I, or if I face it, then I have to get off my, my butt and I'd rather just sit and watch you know, the playoff games or something. And, um, and so the whole issue of 
So we're not going to solve the issue of purpose and meaning, but uh, what I'd like to do is for you to explore uh, in a more, hopefully a more, in a way that's comfortable for you, uh, what, your, what your relationship is to purpose and meaning in your life. Uh, is this something you've given some serious thought to? Um, have, you, have, you, have you considered uh, whether your life can have a primary purpose or a few primary purposes or a primary meaning that kind of gives orientation, stability, um, um, uh, that helps organize your life, helps give you a purpose, helps you decide what's most important for you to do, helps you to uh, weed through all the different choices of how you, what you can do to decide what your life can be most about. Do you, have, or do you have a sense of purpose and meaning, but it's something that you kind of don't never get around to? You know, it's like the most important thing for you is to is to become freer and more compassionate and you really feel the meditation is so important. And, you know, what can be more important than, you know, your intention to sit every day and do this wonderful thing, but, but you know, then they have the playoffs and the giants are in the playoffs and, you know, you can't, you know, what's, what's more important, right? And so, um, so, so, so this whole question of purpose and meaning is independent of what you think your purpose and meaning is. What is your relationship to it? Um, uh, you know, that, that's a huge topic in itself. But what I'd like to do is just have a little bit of time for you to talk about it and hear from other people. What gets sparked? What gets evoked when I brought this topic up and your, rela- your relationship to it? Uh, because it's such a big topic and because people have a lot of purpose and meaning sometimes, this is not the time to give your manifesto <laughs> of what you think the real, true purpose and meaning of life should be and everyone should get, you know, this, let me tell you. Uh, this is a time to uh, share somewhat briefly so everyone has a chance to talk something about your relationship, this whole, this whole thing about purpose and meaning in life, um, how it's been for you. Your, you know. and, um, and if you don't, uh, if you kind of, each person talks, I don't know, somewhat briefly and go around a circle, then um, you'll be, you'll be uh, sparked by what other people say. Then it comes back to you. You might have something completely new to say that hadn't occurred to you before. And maybe a new understanding, even that even it's new for you, uh, this, and then go around like that for a while, um, around and around, and um, and uh, so give. So one of the reasons not to spend a lot of time talking yourself, dominating, is because you won't benefit as much, and you'll benefit a lot by hearing your other people, but you don't want to be really brief either, too brief, so that you don't have a chance to really feel like you're engaged. So you have to find the, ba- the middle way, right? Make some sense. So uh, what I'd like to suggest for this, and also you don't have to say anything that you're uncomfortable saying. This is not like true confessions or real, reality TV show where you have to kind of, you're supposed to spill it all out. Just say what you're comfortable saying here in this group. So what I'd like to suggest is that uh, you break up into groups of five and, um, and then uh, uh, probably it'll take about 15, 20 minutes for the conversation. I'll kind of be here part of the time so see what the energy level is. If it feels like you can't stop, you know, maybe it's appropriate to go a little longer or maybe shorter. Um, and it's good to spread out in the building because there's a lot of you. So you can take a few groups and go out there. There's more chairs in the cabinets out there. Some people like to go outside. Um, one group can be in the, in the conference room there. Sometimes people have met in the library too, just to spread out so it's not a cocktail party in here. And, um, and uh, I think it's good to try to do groups of five. Uh, and what I suggest is that um, 
if you don't find a group of five that's easy to join, walk towards the front, towards me. Because if you walk towards the front, as opposed to just stand there looking around, then um, you'll run into other people. There might be a group of five gathering here. And if there's not a group of, uh, if there's, we don't, not an, you know, don't fit into, you know, multiples of five here, then I'll help you uh, uh, find and join another group so there'll be some groups of six. Okay? So... Okay, so it was kind of sweet to come in here. I was up in my office printing something for... I have a, um, uh, an article I wrote on uh, the first step of the Eightfold Path, Right View, that uh, you can uh, take with you today. But I, I was printing it for you, so it's still being printing. But, but when I came back down again and saw all the groups, um, it was very quiet. It had kind of a sweetness or quiet or reverent feeling. I don't know how it was for your group, but... Or for individually, but the, the, the collective feeling in here was quite nice. Um, but I wasn't part of any of your groups. <laughs> so I have no idea what you talked about. So um, I wonder if some of you, it might be nice to hear, um, for everyone to hear a little bit, some of the things that, maybe not report, maybe not a report from the group, but what it was like for some of you to be part of that? And anything that, new things you understood, or new insights, or... Something that came came out of you from doing that discussion. It seems only one mic is working today. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Are both work? Okay. Is it is it on? Well, I really appreciated your suggestion to have us be brief. Because I could only think of one short thing to say, and then when we run around the circle, I'm like, oh, yeah, let me add it, let me say like one more <laughs> thing. So that was very helpful. And I also appreciated the thoughtful uh, sharings of the people in my group. Mm, nice, thank you. Join here in front of you. Yes, go ahead, green light. Good morning. I just um, felt encouraged. And just encouraged. Great. That's great. Lovely. Thank you. Um, yes, I, I didn't know, you know how you start. It's always <laughs> um, unknown what you're going to have us do. But I thought in the room with this topic that it got back to something you said at first, which is noble or sacred. 
there's something spiritual about talking about purpose in life and your relationship to it. And so it's it's a quieter topic, but very spiritual. Great, beautiful. I appreciate hearing that. Uh, something that just occurred to me is that uh, there was, I felt there was sort of an ease about the way we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask five people to talk about what is your purpose in life, what is the meaning, uh, it could be a very intense, stressful conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the way we did it felt easeful. Uh, great. That's, nice. that's nice to hear. Thank you. Here, if you can, uh, here, to your left here, down here, with the mic. Is the green light on? Is it, no? The green light? Um, so uh, I'm new on the path, and uh, I was, I came here very, feeling very lost and without direction, and um, listening to the people in my group, I felt very encouraged and very inspired because mm-hmm. um, one, one person said I can't live without any other way and so it was um, very reassuring for me great thank you um, I felt in our group that there wasn't any risk of people stand, sitting on a podium with a manifesto <laughs> It seemed as if each of us was really more questioning than knowing the answer to this, and it felt like a very safe place to question this together. And um, I've really felt grateful, feel grateful for that sense of safety. Wonderful, wonderful. But both that the the safety is really important, and the other (laughs) the other is that to have a community come together where it feels safe is really precious. And then uh, I'm particularly, I don't know if bias is the right word, but appreciative of um, uh, questioning and questions more than answers. So that's great. I, I feel that too. Uh, uh, our group was, was so um, generous in coming it seemed like in coming out with what was really important to us in life. And, and I just felt honored by that mm. um, in my heart. Um, and there was a lot of exploring, and you know, of, of, uh, what is most important to us. Beautiful. And in that process, it just seems like we came together. Mm-hmm. Always miraculous to me. Okay. Great. So, so the um, um, so as I said before, both the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path are relevant in all kinds of different levels of life. And uh, certainly you don't have to be a Buddhist to be involved in both the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths. Um, and, uh, and the Buddha, when he offered this, was not offering it for traffic lights, 
but rather was offering it for uh, a profound transformation, a profound um, freedom of heart and mind that uh, he was the, the example of what was possible and people followed him in his footsteps and it's been many people have uh, discovered this for themselves. And, um, and so uh, the Eightfold Path can be, some, in Buddhism itself, uh, people can have different purposes for why they're engaged in Buddhism, the Eightfold Path. Some people, it's, um, you know, it's basically to live a, a better and happier life and uh, manage better in their life. And so for some people, the enlightenment of the Buddha, liberation of the Buddha, uh, maybe it's uh, something that seems unattainable for you, but the fact that such a thing exists, it kind of gives you a beacon, a kind of a, 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 you know, a light that, that you, need, you know, orientation, you know, that's, I can at least go in that direction, at least be supported by that, and it, uh, it gives me a direction. Other people, um, uh, the enlightenment of the Buddha is not necessarily a beacon, but just the fact that there is a path that lessens suffering is meaningful. And you have some sense that you can live a better life than you have and suffer less, and that's meaningful. And how far it gets along the path, if there's enlightenment in the end, it doesn't, maybe it's not that meaningful for you. Uh, but, um, but the fact that there's this great, these great set of practices and a sense of purpose uh, is enough for you, independent of whether you get enlightened. And other people, the idea of liberation um, is really a, a primary motivating uh, uh, force in their life. And, and uh, this is what they feel their life is about. And that more than anything else, this is the direction they're going and what they're happening. So there's a r- wide range of how people relate to the Buddhist teachings. So uh, w- uh, since this is the Eightfold Path in this context of the class, this, uh, this series is Buddhism, um, even though here at IMC we hold it somewhat lightly, and certainly hold it lightly that you should be Buddhist, that's not necessary. Um, but it is kind of, that's the context of the Eightfold Path is the Buddhist teachings. And, you, um, and I respect a lot that you've come here to explore this. And I think it's appropriate to ask the question for you, um, uh, the Buddhist purpose for this liberation, freedom, um, uh, what's, what, re- what role does that have for you? How do you understand that for yourself? And is that something that is, uh, you know, something that's really important for you? Or it's something that's important, but you're not really expecting to get very far, but it's, it's really meaningful that, you know, this is there and it's a possibility and you're on a path for that. Um, is the Eightfold Path meaning, Buddhism meaningful, the values of it all, and the, the teachings are meaningful, important for you, but not for some kind of enlightenment or some kind of liberation, but rather because you really see or feel or believe that it's going to make a big difference in your life now. So there's a range in, and, uh, of what's possible. They're all fine. They're all good. You don't, you don't have to be a card-carrying Buddhist, whatever that is. Um, and uh, the, the point here is not to be, be something particular, but to be yourself and to explore who you are in relationship to this. And I thought it'd be nice to spend a little bit of time as we're doing the Eightfold Path, uh, kind of the general introduction to it, uh, to see what your relationship is to this, um, to, you know, that, to, the, to it as a Buddhist path and what it means as a Buddhist path. And if that's meaning, you know, how, how you understand that, uh, how it motivates you. Um, so now we're getting closer into actually not your relationship to purpose and meaning, but closer to um, is there some way that the Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths, uh, represents something impor- important for you, for your purpose and for your meaning in your life. So uh, we'll do a l- uh, little bit of that and then I'll come back and I'm going to talk about a little bit more of the Eightfold Path as a refuge. And um, the, uh, one of the teachings of the Buddha, the Eightfold Path is a refuge for, for us.
So, um, and for this, what I had in mind for this part of the conversation was, uh, this is, I think, maybe a little more personal. Again, you don't have to um, uh, share something you don't want to share. Don't, this is not, anytime you feel uncomfortable about sharing something, but because it's too personal, too intimate, uh, you could just, uh, don't go that far. You can even say that, you know, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to back off a little bit, I'm going to say something a little bit that, you know, I feel more ready to talk about, but don't feel, you don't, don't feel any pressure to say something you don't want to talk about if it's too personal. And, um, but what I, what I thought would be nice to do this time is to do this in pairs. And so that just someone's really there for you listening. And to do it uh, with one person being the listener first. And, um, and probably for about five minutes. Just uh, uh, one person speaks for about five minutes and the other person listens. And then, uh, and then I'll ring a bell and then you can switch. And the purpose of speaking for five minutes, ideally it would be 15, but let's do it for five. And um, the purpose of it is, to, is um, to see if you can say what you already know relatively quickly. Uh, because you're, you're not do, you're not, this kind of talking is different than conversations. You're not, telling, you're not talking for the purpose of the listener understanding something about you. You're talking for the purpose of you understanding something better about yourself. So you can listen to yourself better say it. So if you start telling a story where you know the ending really well, um, maybe you don't tell the whole story because it's not for the sake of the person who is listening. It's for your own sake. And so, um, so if you can say what you, uh, relatively briefly if you can, what you already know really well, what that does, it puts you on the edge of what you don't know yet. And you begin exploring something or stretching yourself to see, well, how much more do I understand? What other aspects of this? Or what I haven't ever talked about so much? And, um, so it's kind of, and some people, you don't have to do this, but in this kind of way of, of, of uh, talking, uh, sometimes talkers like to close their eyes. Uh, partly so they're pulled into the interrelationship that happens, you know, like I'm taking care of the person who's listening. And it's just like, you're really doing this inner exploration. You don't have to do that at all, but... But, um, and the job of the listener is just to listen. You can nod and be present, but uh, you're, you're not making comments, you're not asking questions, you're just listening, and if there's silence, uh, you share the silence with them. And so maybe the silence is an important part of the exploration, something's bubbling up inside. And, um, and then once we, uh, so we'll ring a bell when it's time to switch, and when it's time to switch, then, um, uh, you know, switch, and then, um, and then after both of you had a chance, I'll ring a bell again, and then you can spend another five minutes or so debriefing about that, just checking in with each other. What was like, and anything more you want to follow up, and more thing you want to say, and just then it can be more free back and forth as you. So, okay. Any questions? Yes. Oh, the question. Um, the question is, um, uh, 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 what's your relationship? to the Buddhist purpose of the Eightfold Path. Uh, do you understand that purpose? What's your relationship to it? Uh, you know, the ultimate purpose is enlightenment. Is that purpose, uh, you know, liberation, is that any meaning for you? What meaning does it have? Um, if it doesn't have much meaning for you or something, what, 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 what is a, you know, and it, because it's a Buddhist path, what is your relationship to the fact that it's a Buddhist path? How do you, how do you hold that? How do you relate to that? Is that meaningful for you? Um, um, does that give you enough to evoke something? I'm not looking for the right answer, you know. I'm just looking for, to offer you something that evokes something that helps you explore. And so it's, I expect it to be a lot of different uh, 
ways and there were different, there's different, one of you, different, different ones of you want to explore this in different ways or talk differently because of how unique each of us are. Does that make sense now? So uh, there'll be a lot more people talking this time because rather than uh, every fifth person talking, it's uh, every other person talking. So um, I think spreading out is really good. And if some of you go outside, I'll, start, I'll ring the bell out there first. So you, you, when, you hear the, when you hear the bell the first time, that means you're, sh- you're going to switch. And then I'll come in here and ring it here. And um, sometimes when you ring a bell to switch between one person and the other, it's nice to take uh, 15, 20 seconds just to be silent together and kind of regroup and close your eyes and, and then start again. It's a little bit hard for me to organize that if people are outside, but let's let you do it. Does that make sense? So um, why don't you... Um, find someone and if there's a uh, again if you can't find someone easily walk towards the front and um, and that way you'll find people and if there's a, if we're an odd number I'll help out with something lunch so you know what the plan is and um, and again it felt nice in here uh, to listen to watch you and listen to kind of the energy here and it would be nice again to have a few of you kind of report back say something about what that was like for you or what came up or what was important for you in that conversation Um, anybody like to share Part of, part of uh, sharing also is that it, it isn't just you sharing, you know, just for you, but uh, there's a way in which we're, we're also together creating something as a, collectively. And, you know, we can't have everyone speak, but there's something that happens when we hear from each other and something brings a shift and change. And so it's nice to hear a few things. Even if you don't like it, it's nice to hear that. What I recognized is um, it's a hard experience to think it's okay for me to talk and say what I need to say and have somebody else sitting there listening and yeah. not having an agenda item. Is it difficult if, if they're sitting there listening? or No, no, it's just to, have, to give myself permission to take that time and mm. that person's attention when really it was about me and what I needed to say for me. Oh, so, that's, so that's very important to see. So you, to feel that you're, you're, there's something hesitance or something a little bit off, feels off to you about talking about yourself. Um, and to have them monopolize the conversation. So that's very interesting. That's something I think would be good to explore more and get to understand more. And, um, and I hope that at some point you feel comfortable and wise uh, t- about uh, that you're important and your exploration and understanding is important to share and have time for it as well. And to be wise about that. And, um, but that's a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's, important, it's an important part of life is to listen to yourself. I'm so appreciate that you have uh, set up this kind of uh, uh, style of uh, just just now we shared and uh, be able to explore explore and I'm coming here very often but uh, as you asked this Buddhist path 
what is your relationship? It's wonderful to ask again. Uh, okay, and uh, and then I can go into my uh, detail, the ins- myself. So that that was very wonderful, and uh, thank you so much to be able to explore with our Dharma friends. Wonderful, thank you. So, where's the other mic? Sometimes metaphors are helpful and sometimes they're misleading and the idea of enlightenment climbing a mountain suggests that when I'm not at the mountain I'm not enlightened and I've got to get there to be enlightened. But what I found myself saying in this discussion is that I think that lots of times I react in a way that I think is awakened and enlightened, just not all the time. So if there's a gap between where I am now and where enlightenment is, I don't think it's a traveling to the top of the mountain gap it's more like a frequency, do it more gap. Sounds good. Stay on the road. <laughs> I was going to say that what I like about this kind of environment is you can just break down your barrier so quickly and um, find the humanity that exists in the room. And one-on-one was incredible with being able to achieve that. And, of course, what you asked us to do brought up a lot of not a lot, but we were directed towards a religion discussion a bit. And that was really helpful for me. Great. Thank you. I have to agree. The, um, the question is really quite something about the relationship. Um, I think... And it also, for me, it built upon this morning so easily. I found myself noticing, wow, I'm talking about the same thing, um, which is something I've been hiding from for many years, I think. So this is a, an important day for me. Um, it's brought a lot of clarification. And I'm a visual person, and so for me, I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mental health provider, and so I really appreciate, Gil, when you said that we, we don't want to learn and jump to giving too quickly is sort of my interpretation. Because I think for the last um, several years, that's what I've been doing in sort of building my my career. And it's really a nice reminder for me to um, not do that anymore because I think, like I said, I'm hiding from it, and I haven't been taking care of me. Mm. Yeah, so in uh, sharing with my partner... Um, I was noticing that this was about me, and it really freaked me out. Um, but it was just, and I didn't ball my ass out as much as I thought I would. Um, and it was really comforting, and it was really wonderful. And um, I'm going to take that home with me because yeah. I, I really do need for for me and for clients, for family, yeah. for friends, for my community. I can't just give and yeah. give and yeah. give. They say that they say in certain mental health professions that uh, caregiving professions that um, it's they, they, may not, they say it so strongly it's kind of a, a strong statement they say um, uh, it's uh, an ethical requirement for t- to have self care. My license plate says self care. <laughs> <laughs> that is how much I need it, <laughs> and yet I continue to ignore every. 
every day. Yeah. So thank you. You don't you don't see the license plates when you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> Please, where's the other? Um, so uh, the way I understood part of the question was, what is my relationship to the Eightfold Path as a Buddhist path? Yeah. And um, my first reaction was, um, well, my interest is in the techniques and the practice and how those things can help me be uh, more joyful, more present, all the wonderful things that they can do for me. And then I had to think about, well, it would be a bit naive to think that it isn't part of a religion. And, but when I think about religion in the world, religion is a source of so much conflict. So I realized that I have some ambivalence. I'm not sure uh, that there's part of me that wants to be committed to a path, but I try to make it as neutral as possible. You know, it's, It can't be part of any religion because religion is, in reality, a source of so much conflict in the world. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not really sure yet what my relationship is to the processes that go on here, and even though I, I feel so comfortable with them and so good about them. Um, I'm not clear yet what that means for me. That, 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 it makes sense. I appreciate that a lot. And this whole, the whole religion thing, you know, it's a complicated one. Um, and uh, it's, uh, some, for some people it's easier, some it's more complicated when they realize that in Buddhist languages in Asia there was no word for religion. You couldn't translate the word, English word religion back, and Japanese had to invent a word uh, in, or, in order to translate from English or European languages into, um, into Japanese 100 years ago or so. And uh, the, um, um, but in, in, uh, in Indian languages, one of the terms that's some, you know, that kind of f- fills the same kind of territory as the English word religion is the word path. Uh, Marga or Maga in Pali, so it's, it's, it's offering a path because, and path implies something you walk. And one of the nice things about the path that you walk is that you, uh, you, when you walk a path, you don't leave part of yourself behind. So, you know, it's a, so this idea of bringing all of yourself along, and um, and I didn't, re- I wasn't really, I didn't really, finally kind of agree to call myself a Buddhist or to, or to make that decision until I'd been ordained as a Zen priest. And I thought, you know, I, I think I got to kind of, <laughs> you know, well, you know, and, and it wasn't so much like, but also the, the Buddhist and religion wasn't so important for me. I, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, a, you do people a favor sometimes by having a simple label. I mean, I could, I could have said, well, I'm not Buddhist, but, you know, I'll, everything I read is Buddhist, all my friends are Buddhist, I, I live in Buddhist centers, you know, you know, I could explain all to them so they get a sense of who I am, but. By the time I explain it all, they're bored, right? <laughs> so it just I'm a Buddhist, and then there's, if there's problems with if there's problems with that, we'll we'll sort that out with time. Or you know, if you go to a, if you if you're hospitalized, they want your religion, right? And you could put no religion, that's okay. But if you put down Buddhist, uh, uh, you might get a nice visit, different kind of visit from the chaplain. <laughs> and uh, and it might, you might have a nice conversation. You kind of you know. You get to people, you know, so it might be nice to, you know, you, you don't have to be a Buddhist, but you can write it down anyway. <laughs> so, so uh, maybe two more. So one more, yeah, there. Uh, do you uh, the opportunity to listen to ourselves talk was very productive for me. Um, I, 
found a way that I had, was not even aware of uh, to uh, on a situation where I could be mindful that I didn't realize I could get some uh, real benefits out of. Fantastic. So, so being mindful in, in talking and listening? No, what I mean is uh, I said something and a few seconds later it clicked. What did I just say? Oh, <laughs> that's something I should take mm, advantage of. Nice. So having that space in the conversation just to be the talker, uh, let that register in a big, bigger way than if you had an ordinary conversation, perhaps. Great. So here, last one, please. Green light. Uh, I like to share with everybody how I feel. Uh, just the opposite. I feel like uh, uh, the day I encounter a Buddha's teaching, I feel so joyful, so happy. So I announced to everybody, I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell everybody, I'm Buddhist, I'm Buddhist. <laughs> Great. So I'm so happy to be Buddhist. And I, <laughs> and I consider my entire life, the day I encounter Buddha's teaching, considers my luckiest day. I'm so happy I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> Great. So I'd like to share that's with you. Uh, so I enjoy yeah. so much. It's wonderful to hear. So, um, so I, what I'd like to end then before lunch is with this. So, um, the, so the, the Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths can be done at any level and any engagement and without being a Buddhist, with being a Buddhist. It, it's relevant regardless. And, um, but uh, for people, uh, when you get close to being a Buddhist, you still don't have to be a Buddhist. But, when you get, but some, people, the, the, some people define becoming a Buddhist by uh, taking refuge in the Buddha Dharma and the Sangha. Some people take refuge because it's very meaningful and they still don't use the label Buddhist for themselves. You know, Buddhism doesn't care. Um, and, um, but it's, it has to do with what's meaningful for people. But the idea, one of the primary religious kind of movements uh, for many Buddhists is this idea of refuge. A refuge, uh, is, for some people, is strong enough. It's kind of like a conversion experience for some people. Some people, it's something very meaningful. It's very heartfelt. It's a feeling of coming home. It's a feeling that you found an understanding, an orientation, a practice that uh, can uh, support you and hold you. Refuge doesn't mean that you go uh, hide in a cave, like you're just gonna, but rather refuge is something portable that you carry with you into the world and, uh, and helps you engage in the world. It gives meaning to your world, gives definition to the world, gives purpose to the world. Um, and so, it, um, uh, so, that, you know, so the idea of taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. But the refuge in Buddha, in the, since the time of the Buddha, was explicit, explicitly refuge in the Buddha's enlightenment. Uh, and then they would just, you know, they talk about how great the Buddha was, but it was specifically his enlightenment we take refuge to when we take refuge in the Buddha. And so this idea of freedom and liberation is there, you know, front and center for the more Buddhist, you know, the, what the Buddha had in mind in offering this. But then it's interesting that the tradition offers, uh, uh, Buddha talks about some other refuges besides Buddha Dharma Sangha. And one of the most prominent places that appears is in the last teachings the Buddha gave before he died, where he said that uh, um, you should be a refuge to yourself, that you yourself are your own refuge. And, um, and this also points to the idea that the refuge in the Buddha Dharma and the Sangha is not meant to be some 
passing the buck to someone else, but rather is um, is uh, is a kind of like a, a, a realization and appreciation, understanding that to take refuge in the Buddha Dharma Sangha is to uh, uh, live a different way yourself, is to live an enlightened way, or to live a practice way, or to live guided by the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, by this possibility of of this, you know, uh, uh, inner purification or cleansing, cleaning that can happen. And um, so this idea that, you know, you're important is really important in Buddhism. You count. You don't take refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha so you you kind of don't count. You count for a lot. Um, And and so much so that in the early tradition that um, uh, once once you become free, uh, you don't become this self-effacing person who just sits and you know, doesn't count. The more enlightened you are, the more empty you are and you don't count. Um, the uh, Buddha and his disciples at, in his time, when they were enlightened, they would make what's called the lion's roar. Uh, a lion, that's a pretty powerful thing to do, right? A lion's roar was when they declared their enlightenment. I am now free. So, you know, so the idea that you count on something important is you know, built into the tradition there. And then there's a fifth refuge, which is sometimes talked about. And the fifth refuge, and again, I think that the fact that these are all refuges means that they're integrated, they, they kind of inform each other. And, um, and the fifth refuge is, is the Eightfold Path. And the, uh, the, uh, it says that the uh, Eightfold Path is a reliable refuge. It says caves, the Buddha said that caves and mountain sanctuaries are not safe refuges. You can go hide and be a hermit and you're not going to be safe. Um, and, um, and for modern world, you can have bank accounts and homes and all kinds of things, and that's not where your safety is. But the ultimate refuge, the happiest refuge, is the refuge of the Eightfold Path because of how it um, protects us and g- gives meaning and purpose, but also independent of meaning and purpose, um, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path are one of the best protections you can have. And you know who it protects you from? Yourself. <laughs> so, um, so with that, we'll take an hour for lunch. If um, and so the idea is, you know, if you if you can sit quietly if you want, and eat by yourself. Some people prefer that after a session like we had today to be quiet. But also, please uh, sit with people. We have people who've been here before know where the tables are. We bring out folding tables. We put them out in the outer hall. If you think it's warm enough, you're welcome to take folding.